are back with episode 850 of The Critical Myth. I am John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, Edmund from Greenville, and uh, I really don't remember how you guys keep watching all of these things. Uh, this is Gary from Jacksonville, and we're still talking about the Legion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did I know that that would make you a happy, happy viewer? <laughs> ah, it, you know how we do it? There's this, you know, time machine, there's the Tesseract... <laughs> and yeah not to mention the great payroll yeah oh uh, yeah we, we do it by keeping the list down to about a dozen shows and we don't try to go beyond that anymore that's yeah, those, those weeks of 25 plus shows uh, i've come uh, to an end nope. I, I, I have bad memories of that but it, it has nothing to do with the spores that are settling on your shoulder or anything no no How not at all. Spot. Yeah. there's just less programming over there <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's very monotonous <laughs> I can't find my razor anywhere. No, <laughs> they just they they call it the agonizer. They must be they, they must be watching reality TV. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Bedlam. <laughs> now there's just lines you should not cross. <laughs> Come on, well, yesterday. Well, of course, for Gary, they would just show him lost. That's right. But you know, in, in the Mirror Universe, I bet Bedlam had ten seasons minimum, minimum. And a and a spinoff. Exactly. Yes, Bellevue. So, all right, we are going to be talking about some shows that have been running. These are the ones that were in the last two weeks of January, as we mentioned last time. And uh, yeah, we're going to kind of just go through, see what we've watched, see what we have comments about. As usual, it's kind of a little free form. Uh, that's why we do it night by night, so that everybody can follow along. And uh, yeah. Uh, it's very odd this season. It's like normally we would be used to, you know, Sunday nights being this really packed, like seven, you know, shows or whatever on a, on a Sunday night that makes it almost impossible to keep up because you're trying to like sp spread them through the week while you're also watching everything during the week. Wednesday is the is the day this time. It's like everything is on on Wednesday nights. At least in this, uh, it was in January. So we had uh, the, the last two episodes of the of the uh, of the current run of Vikings that uh, ran. That was you know the ninth and tenth episodes of the fifth season. Uh, still going strong. Uh, there was a nice uh, battle sequence and various uh, c characters going to Valhalla. So that's always a joy to behold. Not so much for them. But anyway, uh, we also then had two episodes of The Librarians, uh, Season 4, Episode 9, A Town Called Feud, and uh, Episode 10, Some Dude Named Jeff. <laughs> and no, alas, it was not a crossover with Chuck. Sorry. Uh -huh. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a band named Jeffster. Yeah. No, it was not. Uh, I, I think that uh, Librarians is still continuing to be its, its usual kind of... Um, American take on, you know, Whovian type of uh, material, and I think it's doing fairly well. I, I, I'm a little concerned, though, that maybe they bit off more than they should have by having uh, so many additional episodes this season. Thir you know, 12 or 13. Uh, they maybe should have stuck to 8 or 10. But, mm. what do you think, Gary? What? Oh, no, I'm happy they gave more episodes. I think they're knocking it out of the ballpark this season. I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot, uh, both from the uh, villains, which thankfully are not... Uh, season long um i don't think this show benefits from a huge long arc also the uh kicking out of noah wiley's character now after the first few episodes have also increased my enjoyment drastically um i like to see the 
librarian's team as opposed to the librarian. He just he monopolizes things too much. I I enjoyed this town call feud. This is again not serious stuff, but uh, I thought I thought it was uh, really nice. And actually, um, as they're going through the reenactment, there is one down here in Florida, and you know they sort of hit a spot on. These people really get into it, and I enjoyed this whole the. Uh, even the concept of the uh, fake um, brooch or whatever uh, um, that they that they started off with, that in some ways it, this thing was made up. Um, it definitely put a twist into who the villain was of the story as as the story went on, which was a nice surprise. And so, you know, that, that one was good. And the dude named Jeff, I guess it was a – geez uh, – it wasn't as strong an episode as the feud, but at the same time, I think it gave us more of an insight into Jenkins um, than we've uh, than we've had before. They've been continuing to give us wonderful uh, uh, sort of character moments as well as insights into him. And uh, by switching bodies, I felt they uh, did it again because we, you know, got to see him in some sense without the uh, shelter or resources of the library and how he had to try and function without it in a very comical way. So um, I'm really enjoying. I'm, I'm enjoying it. That's uh, no Emmys are coming through from this show, but it's a lot of fun. I even feel that uh, Rebecca Romaine, I think, is. Uh, uh, sort of fit into the role a little bit better this season. Um, her acting is at least a little bit more relaxed, I think, than it was in previous seasons. And um, generally, um, every the the uh, cast seems to be meshing a little bit more comfortably than they had in the past, and it really it gives you a much more of a uh, sort of family family uh, friendship vibe than I think has, was present uh, previously. I wouldn't argue too much with that. I think that everybody is just at this point appreciating the fact that they have a show that just keeps coming back and they get to kind of goof around because it's that kind of show. It's not, it doesn't yeah. take itself all that seriously. And even when it does take itself seriously, it's, it's doing so with a very uh, tongue firmly in cheek uh. type of thing. Uh, also on Wednesday night says been the 11th season of the X-Files. So we had two episodes in late January. We had uh, episode three plus one and we had episode four, the lost art of forehead sweat. Two very different episodes. Plus one was a Chris Carter monster of the week that probably should have stayed on the cutting room floor. The entire <laughs> um, Incredibly mediocre. That was followed by a Darren Morgan episode. And as a, uh, all fans of the X-Files know, his episodes are usually as meta as it gets and usually extremely weird and, and whimsical. And this was no exception. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. And I think it was the highlight so far of the season. Sadly, that's not saying a lot, but hey, let's all face it. Um, you can't have a good Darren Morgan episode if he doesn't have those mediocre and standard episodes to bounce off of quite so much. So we wouldn't want an entire season of Darren Morgan making fun of something that <laughs> that was basically he was also writing. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was kind of like a tale of two different episodes there. Uh, Riverdale, its second season continues to kind of uh, churn along very nicely with uh, above average scores from me. Uh, we had uh, season two, episode 10, The Blackboard Jungle, and uh, episode 11, The Wrestler. And again, I'm giving this one an eight. I love it. It's dark. It's it's kind of creepy. It's got uh, a lot of uh, surprising elements. It's it's really building off of the first season well. This show, I think, actually would do really well like binge-watching on Netflix when it's over or something, because uh, I know a lot of people keep missing it, so that would be something that they would probably enjoy. Similarly, I'm really liking uh, the new season of the magicians uh episode two heroes and morons had a scene that left me laughing till i was crying um i played it over and over again it is it was beautifully timed comedy um 
I, I, that show is has since day one been this awesome mix of just dark, dramatic stuff, and then this completely bizarre, absurd comedic material, and it melds together really well, and they've got the formula down now. But that, oh, yeah, I, I, if I could have found a YouTube uh, excerpt of that scene and just put it out, I would have shared it with the world, because it's it's definitely um, some great stuff. And then uh, three, uh, The Losses of Magic was also another great episode, and uh, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Uh, Supernatural, now... Uh, They've been doing something different this season. I know, uh, Edmund, in the, in, the, in the fall you were trying to get caught up on Supernatural, but you probably uh-huh. noticed yourself. They've been doing like this very kind of sneaky, slow build towards the backdoor pilot for Wayward Sisters. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I caught the, the beginning of that, but uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I am about six episodes behind right now. So. Okay. Yeah. So that's one thing that they are doing is... Um, is uh, they, they were building over the, the course of the early part of the season, kind of layering in these these characters. And what I thought, really, um, was that, okay, instead of having a backdoor pilot, they were going to introduce these characters and then set something up for them to kind of go off on their own. And so it would be really kind of like an extended subplot that led into a spinoff. Instead, it did, in fact, lead into a quote-unquote backdoor pilot, um, which I thought was okay. Um as a huge Supernatural fan, I think that that episode and then uh, number 11 for the 13th season breakdown, it's starting to get to the point where even I'm a little bit like feeling like, you know what, guys? I think it might be time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's it's not bad, but they've done so much <laughs> that it's starting to feel like they're running out of gas. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's why they're going for this spinoff is that they find they figure, hey, we may be able to do a different angle, which may freshen up the uh, the, the storytelling a bit. Um, but even though you can tell they're still having fun and enjoying it, um, the actors themselves, and I, I, I think we talked about this at one time or another, Edmund, but they even yeah. themselves have said that they can pretty much walk into the role on the drop of a dime. Like they can be having a conversation and then it's like, hold on, go do the scene, be completely in character and then walk right back out because they've done this for so long. It's just, it's, it's almost like muscle memory for them. And it's not so much that they're checking out of it, but you can tell that it's not like, it's not challenging them. So it's not challenging us. It's just kind of there. And I don't know if it's because of the new showrunners. I don't know if it's because they don't have like this big plot that's really building right now. It's all kind of maybe constrained by budget but this season i've you know like even i a very loyal watcher of many shows i'm just like guys 13 that's a pretty good number for a supernatural show to end on yeah. <laughs> indeed yeah no i, I mean for, i mean for for me i mean just in terms of you know and yes i know you know they sort of you know keep rotating in different showrunners and things but um I'm not, and i think this was back last season but uh but kind of that that uh, with, with the, the the whole arc with with mary when uh, you know when they decided to keep her alive and just kill death again, um, you know I you know I that that to me really felt like you know no no folks you know I mean you had this perfect situation where you would set all this up you know no you know she didn't really want to be alive anymore you know this would have been you know a, a perfect time you know get, you know give them you know you know give the, the Sam and Dean something to uh, get over and move on from um, and then keeping her around and sticking her in the parallel you know what what I what to me feels like you know oh something you borrowed from Agents of Shield you know that parallel dimension that she has mm-hmm. to 
get out of. Um, it, uh, you know, yeah, it, it was them, you know, just stre- stretching things out and elongating it. And uh, yeah, and even though I've, I've only just seen the, you know, the, the first few episodes of this season, um, you know, I was already getting that sense. And uh, and yeah, it uh, it certainly does seem that uh, you know, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the two Js should move should uh, see if the, there's uh, some other roles they might want to play down the line. <laughs> Well, yeah, what I think is that the um, the Carver era, which was the, you know, you had your uh, seasons one through five, then you had seasons six through seven, and then basically eight through 11. Um, eight through 11 was so much of a callback to those original five seasons in terms of just finding ways to wrap up open character beats, kind of some, some you know, it brought everything back thematically. You, you actually had kind of Chuck revealed as God. Um, mm-hmm. just hinted at at the end of the fifth season. Um, so they really paid a lot off. And it was almost like the end of the 11th season should have been, in many ways, the end of the show. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Just like the end of the fifth season could have been the end of the show. But they just, you know, there's these natural points. And I think they've been flailing for purpose since then. Not only that, but then struggling against these budgetary concerns that even Gary, you you joke about because it's that obvious when you watch the episodes these days that they're literally making some episodes with like the pocket change that they found in the back of the Impala. Well, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, they're almost down to Impala to green screen. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And not even a good green screen. Like, you know, the one that they found in the back lot that was abandoned 20 years ago. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I hate to say it because it's one of these shows that I feel very loyal to because it was like, man, we fought to keep that show on the air for those five seasons. And now it's like, wow. Yeah, little, little did you know what you were. Yeah, about. right. So you, but be I careful what like, you ask for. Yeah. I even feel like I've kind of lost the, the kind of the, like, right up through season 11, I really felt like the character beats made sense. I kind of knew where things were going. It all kind of flowed. Um, you had, the, you know, a lot of understanding of where the characters were kind of motivated and going. And right now, I just don't feel it. Maybe the writers themselves don't feel it. I don't know. There's just something not quite there. And, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe just getting, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Crowley not being around is really a, having that much of a profound effect on the show. I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, I, I did want to circle back just very briefly, because uh, on X-Files, I'm not up to date. Um, and in fact, uh, after reading your review of the premiere and some of the other reactions of the premiere, I actually held off and then finally sort of gritted my teeth and watched it. Um, and, uh, you know, and yeah, and certainly, you know, some of the, the revisionism that was going on there in terms of the, you know, who, who who's, who's Sonny is, et cetera, and the, you know, and cigarette smoking man, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, inserting himself where he shouldn't, um, all puns intended. Um, it... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I watched it and then I was, you know, really trying trying to decide if I should go on. Now, is it, this season looking like it's a case of like it like last season where, you know, yes, there's a little there's some mythology stuff and there's some monsters of the week stuff and you just go back and pick and choose. Yes, that's okay. how it feels um, like the, the the second episode I felt was better. The third one was forgettable. You can toss that without really losing much of anything. There's some clunky stuff that literally gets basically paid off in the next episode, which I would definitely see. So um, if I look kind of ahead to episode five, that one was pretty decent. I liked that. And then, again, uh, just there was recently a a Skinner-centric episode that, while it's nice that they actually had one, it's like every other Skinner-centric episode. Looks great (laughs) on paper. Yeah. Why can't they deliver? I just well, more about that another time. But um, yeah. yeah, I was kind of disappointed again that it's like, wow, it's like hmm. what they need is kind of for Chris Carter to go and let somebody else, if they're going to continue it, 
kind yeah. of have a fresh vision, but they're just never going to do that. So I, I have a feeling, though, that it's going to be another one of these seasons, as you just said, that you go back to after the fact. Because certainly my, my main thought was, you know, oh, can I just jump ahead to the Darren Morgan episode? <laughs> uh, you probably could, but there are some nice things about the second episode. Okay. okay. Um, which I can't recall off the top of my head which one that is called, but it, it, it had some decent moments. Um, so yeah, I would go ahead and give that a go. Uh, let's see. Um, also on Thursday nights with Supernatural is Arrow, which in its sixth season, I, I feel like it has really bounced back nicely. I mean, the fifth season was a good return to form, but the sixth season has really been doing nicely. And Edmund, you'll be happy to note that Michael yeah. Emerson is yeah. the big bad. I had, I, I, I had heard tell of that, indeed. <laughs> yes, and he acts just like a very, very disturbing Mr. Finch. So yeah. almost like him and Ben Linus got together and had a little party. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I was hoping you might say that. <laughs> yes. Um, so we had two episodes, season six, episode 10, Divided, and then episode 11, We Fall. Hey. Um, these episodes are actually very heavily uh, involved in Caden James basically owning team arrow <laughs> again and again and again and it is watching this evil genius just go completely um unleashed upon upon a uh, mayor queen and his allies and it's really uh it's it's dark but it's it's great material i think gary you agree with me because you also give this some pretty high scores oh yeah yeah it's it's uh definitely feel like it's an upswing for this season i you know i I was getting kind of bored with the James villain, honestly, because it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. But I guess they were just trying to lay enough found, enough foundation so that when they hit this point, we're um, sort of equally as befuddled as our, our our superhero friends are that they can't take this guy out no matter what they do. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, I feel as frustrated as Oliver Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is which one is nice always... to be able to identify with him because there's yeah. been several several seasons half seasons that i just felt completely disconnected and um so no it was it was actually nice that i am sort of uh, drawn into you know feeling what the character's feeling that's good writing for me and um pleasant pleasant to see especially in a ser- in a sixth season of a series i mean it's just they had a low point you know season four was very rough but i feel like they've bounced back nicely and i think a lot of the fans that kind of abandoned the show after season four and some of the uncertainties at the beginning of season five would be surprised to see how well the show has kind of uh, regained its mojo so to speak oh and uh the splitting up of uh team arrow 2.0 i think was is a great move um you know oliver's finally sort of getting called to task for all his uh uh what's the word overreaching decisions that he's made and it's uh it's well overdue. <laughs> it is. And that's one of the other things that I think is really nice about this season is that you're seeing the payoff even more than the Prometheus arc in the fifth season of them actually, as you said, bringing Oliver's kind of weak points and his misdeeds and mistakes home to roost. And that's not, that's something that the writers have previously um, kind of avoided. So uh, they're doing a much better job this season. That brings us to Friday Nights, and that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And if you're not watching this show because you think that, once again, this is not a show worth watching, you're so so wrong. Uh, (laughs) Season 5, Episode 8, The Last Day, and Episode 9, Best Laid Plans, as we are getting close to the end of this first major arc of the fifth season. And, uh, yeah, Edmund, you actually are up to date on this show, and you like it, it seems, as much as we do. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean this. Uh, I mean the, the, this. This. I mean the. the uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you really think? 
<laughs> no, it's well, it's, it's uh, just I know I've been uh, throwing in my comments, but uh, actually getting to to talk about it for uh, the first time in quite a while, um, and uh, it uh, the. The way they've built this show, um, and uh, you know, and and what 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 I find what I find wonderful about it is the fact that uh, you know they you know, they they are doing a really good character building show, and at the same time, you know, kind of kind of be doing the 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 best TV version of a comic book that we have on TV right now, even with all of the DCW stuff. Um, the way they throw in all of these individual arcs and uh, you know so it is just like the comic books where you know no you have this story that plays out and then boom you get thrown into something completely different um and certainly this season getting thrown into the future into the lighthouse into this you know this abominable you know timeline of uh, with, with, with the destructed earth um has just been been so much fun to see um and then you know you, you know yes you you you're in a time, you're you're doing a time travel arc um, and, uh, you know, in, in the case of the last day, you know, you know, yes, yes you, you, you have to do, you know, you, you kind of have to do this episode where you try and pull all the threads together, um, and show the flashbacks to how this light, you know, the lighthouse actually came to be and the early parts. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and just the, the, the way they met, ma they managed to pull that together and, you know, then just, uh, you know, you know, and as well give the actors, you know, this wonderful opportunity to play these different timeline versions of themselves and jump back and forth. Um, it uh, you know and it, you know and, and on on top of all that you know just uh, the 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 way they've been building the the Cree culture and hierarchy and you know it's just it, it's just been a joy to watch basically. But enough of me babbling. One one of you jump in. <laughs> I'll just jump in to say that um, as much as you know in previous years we've heard people praise the DCW and with good reason. Um, I think that in the background, a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has actually been this like dark horse underdog show that should have been like on top right from the beginning. But it's been the show that's been allowed to stick around, and I think that the storytelling is very strong. I think that the cast has gelled amazingly over those years, and I think that right now, it's like you said, it may be actually better than many of those other shows right now. As good as they, they are, they're, they're, you know, they, they do have a certain rhythm to them, and this really can go outside of that. Um, the DCW's own um, interconnectivity, actually, as we've said before, can be a bit of its Achilles heel. It can be the albatross around its shoulders because it, can, it, it has to work within certain confines. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of has no mandate anymore. No. It doesn't have to stick together with the MCU quite so much because they've kind of diverged a bit at this point. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to uh, lend itself to what's going on as much on the, the Netflix shows. It's all kind of interconnected in many ways, but only in certain fashions. So they, they kind of have their own uh, playground, and it's pretty vast. And this season is the biggest example of that. Um, I would just say, as just a, as a, before Gary, I kind of let you weigh in on these two episodes as well, is that... Um, you know, Marvel is, is doing this in a couple different ways. I think that The Gifted is the show that um, everyone forgets exists yeah, <laughs> and was one hell of a first season. And I would tell a lot of people to go back now that it's done and binge watch that. And you'll see that uh, Marvel TV is doing some really good things that people just forget is out there um, because they've kind of been programmed over the years to think DC owns the TV space for this. And that's not quite as true anymore. And even on Hulu, watch Runaways. That's another really good one that Marvel is putting out all in their own little niche. Right. But, um, I think that that's working. 
but Gary, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 5, these two episodes. Oh, I, I like them. I like them a lot. Um, while I still can't forgive them for not having um, Lola on the... Uh, on the Zephyr, um, uh, it was it was still quite it was still quite enjoyable. The uh, bringing the uh, young girl forward to be um, be an old woman who was uh, keeping the story and everything alive was um, was uh, really nice. Uh, I loved how Max smiled when he saw his uh, shotgun slash axe. <laughs> um, that, that was quite enjoyable. How, how all those things still work after that long a time? I'm still trying to figure out. Shield must just uh-huh. be good stuff. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there was actually a little bit of lip service paid to that. That, that uh, there, 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 there was an intimation that uh, that uh, people were, you know, were, were instructed on uh, how to maintain things. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that, that answers my question then. Um, I have to say, as a character, um, as a sort of character move, um, I, I'm starting to enjoy Yo-Yo a lot more this season. I feel like uh, they're they're really giving her um, a little bit more, a um, little bit more work than just being a speedster uh we're starting to actually get her voice or opinions in in matters as things come up and disagree with people on occasion which is nice to see she's not just you know a blind obedient um you know servant um also i realize that she's the destroyer of worlds and she's been focused on a lot of this series but the uh uh daisy focus how they keep referring to the destroyer of worlds the destroyer of worlds uh I was done with it about an episode ago. <laughs> um, <but laughs> well, so, they, they think she's a destroyer of worlds. Fair enough. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but uh, but regardless, it just feels like I you know I see the thing now not only in quotes but in gilded script uh, you know gr- gilded <laughs> script writing every time that the line comes is yeah. is issued forth. Have you met, have you met her friend, the immortal Iron Fist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but uh, defender of Kunlun. So, You've heard of him, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that's getting a little old, and I I hope that they really don't Daisy focus things as much. I feel like I've had my fill of uh, Daisy being the center of things, or at least pretty pretty close to center. So uh, that was, that's still getting a little boring. Um, I well, like I think uh, Fitz, Fitz has definitely taken the, uh, the the lead here as far as yeah, biggest I'll, biggest badass on the show. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that in even even though we only get these little morsels of uh, Fitz and Simmons together, each one is is is, you know, a pleasure to to have. Um, geez, I, I, can we have like half an episode with them together or something? We get like three lines and then something happens. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm about as damn it as Fitz is. Anyway, um, but yeah, so um, it's working along nicely. The uh, Cree bad guy is um, geez. Losing respect for him, I guess I is might be the way to put it. He just they're they're writing him more incompetent, and I feel it's almost kind of lazy. Um, I would like to see him remain competent and have our have our crew um, surpass him or beat him at the game of wits or muscles or strategy, rather than have him reach this boiling anger point that he becomes irrational and uh, you know sending off his this the uh, what's her name to go you know go attack them for the third time because she's been so successful the first two times uh, it's just it, uh, his lack of competency um, just seems to be increasing and he seemed you know a rather reasonably competent together person I'm not saying he was necessarily a mastermind genius but he sort of uh, had his stuff together and I feel like that's uh, maybe because of the situation has been he's been becoming more and more unstrung and uh, it makes him seem so much weaker and easier to overtake that it feels like less of a victory. 
Um, I, 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 I can see that, but at the same time, I think they have been building up. I mean, this sense of him as being the, the sort of petulant, uh, overlooked younger brother. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, so now while he's sort of landed in this, you know, what was considered this backwater that he could lord it over, um, I don't think it's necessarily so unrealistic that, uh, when, when push comes to shove, he does wind up being a, a, a bit of a Bond villain who pontificates too much and lets everybody move the explosives to where they're going to, uh, hurt the worst (laughs) yeah i think that that he was acting a lot more confident until he was kind of uh challenged by his older brother and now his insecurities are starting to slowly drive him insane especially as events get out of his control more and more so I, i think they bind to build him up also as as that kind of classic kind of sadistic uh, narcissist almost to a degree. Um, you can see that he needs to, see this to feed his own ego because of the fact that he was challenged about it from you know these family members that he is constantly seeking their approval of. It's kind of a very odd uh, frisian of psychological issues, but he, he, it's kind of been there. Um, at least that's how I see it. Uh, let's see. Moving on then to Sunday nights because boy, whew, having <laughs> this show have uh, you know a hundred percent. Of our attention on Sunday nights is, is wonderful. Star Trek Discovery, first season, episode 12, Vaulting Ambition, and, season, and episode 13, What's Past is Prologue. And these are the episodes where we learn the truth. Yes. <laughs> about Captain Lorca. Mm-hmm. So, Gary, I know that you said that you weren't going to be happy if that's how it turned out, but you gave these episodes some pretty high scores, so I'm thinking they sold you on it. <laughs> um, well... I mean, they were very, I, they were very entertaining. The, the, the pacing of them was incredible. I really didn't feel they threw any filler whatsoever into either episode. They really, you know, wrote out everything to just keep running, so to speak, throughout, throughout both of these episodes. So I, um, I know I thought it was really nice. I loved how, um, they, they brought uh, Stamets back. I wasn't sure if they were, he was just going to be, you know, um, sort of brain dead for the next few episodes or not, but they brought him back much quicker than I thought. Um, the you know real, realizing Lorca was from there still opens a whole bunch of other questions for me such as where was the original Lorca uh-huh. uh, so um, we you know we still have that to deal with now that we've gotten seen other people's yeah. alternates where is his so um, maybe yeah. it probably won't be the last time we see <laughs> see Lorca um, if if they so choose um, I'm wondering um, you know what they have further have in plans for um, for jeez. Uh, uh, the Emperor. I, guess. I yes, always have Giorgio. a hard time saying her last. Giorgio. Yeah, so I'm wondering uh, how much, what else they'll bring in as far as uh, you know her role goes in this. Um, it'd be a shame to uh, waste waste her, and I'm pleasantly surprised to see her back as uh, as uh, Emperor. And I felt they sort of didn't give it away by using the term Emperor instead of Empress or something along those lines. So uh, you know, that was uh, that was uh, nice to keep us uh, at least slightly guessing. But um, no, I uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I. I'm still amazed how easily Burnham can sort of fit into the world or a lot of our people can fit into this world so easily. It just, um, it just seems difficult, but I guess if you want to harken back to the original show, you know, uh, I think, uh, 
I forget if it was Kirk or Spock, actually, you know, who said a civilized man can easily act you know, barbaric versus a barber, mm. uh, barbaric person trying to act civilized. So uh, perhaps that's, you know, that's what it is. And uh, But uh, Burnham does uh, quite well. And, you know, it's, as I said, uh, I think in our previous thing, it's, uh, she got to be captain again, at least for a little while before she got called mm. back. Um, I do enjoy all the different machinations they're doing with the mycelial network, um, sort of killing it off, so to speak. So, um, we're not sure, you know. We're not sure how they're going to get back now. I mean, we have we have this this teaser about the uh, intrepid, but uh, it feel almost feels like they're slacking off on that a little bit. Like we're not, it's not uh, um, that they're not pursuing it anymore. And I wonder why that's happening. Because um, I was really hoping we'd actually get to see the see the uh, defiant rather, and um, I, I I wonder what's going to happen with that. So I'd like to see it though. That'd be the, the wire mesh drawing was not enough for me. So. <laughs> well, we did get to the end. I mean, at the end of the uh, of what's past this prologue, we did kind of see how things pan out. And for me, at least, and don't worry, Edmund, I'll let you kind of weigh in in a moment. Um, yeah. What disappointed me is that they had the perfect setup to both get them back home. And wipe out the mycelial network so that it wasn't a plot hole. <laughs> um, right. And instead, they doubled down on it. And it's like, oh, really? Really? You're going to do that? Okay. It's like there, there were a couple different things that they did where it felt like, oh, we can wrap this up in this way. We can wrap this up in that way. And so now all these things that are lingering questions about technological advancements and all of that will just go away. And instead, they didn't go there. And I was like, uh, you know what? That's just messy. Um, maybe it's supposed to be a mystery of the, how this is going to fit together when literally a decade from now we're in the you know, yes. TOS. Um, but the thing that kind of really gets me is at the end of uh, episode 13 when the Federation is just getting crushed. And it's like, wait a second. There's no way 10 years from this we're in some kind of minor uh, Cold War comparatively where there's just simmering tensions between these two superpowers if just a decade earlier Wait, i get yeah but the but the uh, admiral said they'd taken 20% of the space my guess is, is when saru was making that claim i guess maybe they were holding key points it's possible. maybe between planets or trade routes or or things along that line where because at 20% that still doesn't sound like you know it's the death knell to the to the federation but then you know when you know but but Saru made that comment and I don't want to dismiss it so I'm guessing maybe they're either holding strategic places and or grab certain want perhaps certain planets or outposts that are are very significant to a war effort I mean, it's possible, but then I'd still expect that a decade later it would be something that was so ingrained into the Federation culture that they wouldn't think of the Klingons as just these like kind of vague, um, threat, you know, vaguely threatening yeah. people. It would be like, wow, remember? It would be like ten years after the Earth Minbari War. It would be, <laughs> it would be, you know, ten years after you know World War Two. It would be, it, it would be major tensions, I think, versus what we see, which is kind of this just two powers circling each other with a, with the, with the you know wild card of the romulans that is the the hallmark of the of the original series so there's got to be something here that they're going to do i really hope because otherwise i'll go back to what i've been saying which is that this would be a much better fit to the kelvin timeline than to the prime timeline because this would go a long way towards explaining even more why starfleet went so militaristic in the Kelvin timeline, not just the, you know, the Kelvin incident and not just all of that, but the Klingons look a lot more like that. You know, it just all fits so much better. And it, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how do they, how do they go from enterprise to this <laughs> and then to TOS? Cause they literally name check it. 
<laughs> at one point. Yeah. And it's like, wow, really? <laughs> it just, yeah, it, it mm. I know that some of the novels and comics are supposed to help try and smooth that over, but when you've got to do that because the actual material doesn't, it leaves a little bit of a taste in my mouth. I, I feel exactly the same way as when there's those little disappointing things in like the Star Wars films where it's like, don't worry, they explain that over there. Yeah, but you, did, you shouldn't need to do that. Sorry, I went on a little bit of a rant there. Edmund, you, you, you definitely enjoyed these, and, and I don't want to take the, the shine off of it at all. But uh, Oh, no, no, yeah, no, but... But I, I mean, in terms, I mean, I mean, definitely, I'm mean, taking these two episodes together. I mean, I had the same reaction in terms of, you know, yes, I mean, you know, this incredible spore drive. There is no, no, oh, I've got to use it again, frelling way that this can survive, you know, be beyond this series or much longer, or else, you know, what, why the heck aren't they using it on, uh, you know, on, on the Enterprise and TOS? Um, and uh, you know, and I, I had the same reaction of, you know, thinking like, oh, oh, this is how they're going to do it. It's like, no, the mirror universe kills the thing, and now, you know, and uh, and now it's going to be gone. And then they're they're seeding the seeding the moon and setting up a whole new power source. Um, but uh, but 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 you know, but but that was you know, at the end of these two episodes, certainly in the in that previous episode with all the revelations. Um, you know what, uh, what? What you know the 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 thing that that uh, you know I, I I enjoyed it a lot, and part of you know and 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 part of my enjoyment was also, you know, since you know no obviously you can't you know you can't avoid you know the the reaction that uh, you know that uh, many of the you know the diehard Star Trek fans were having at that the beginning of this series, um, you know the and in you know the the way those were playing out, I you know the I was just giving them, you know, you know, a little slow golf clap for, you know, yes, okay, you know, I understand for those diehard TOS, Gene Roddenberry, everything is really optimistic, and, you know, this isn't the Star Trek we're used to. Um, fans who were saying, you know, well, Michelle Yao seemed like such a great captain. He's like, why can't we keep her around? And, and Lorca, you know, he doesn't seem like a Federation type. And it's like, you know, yeah, well, guess what? Michelle Yao is going to be back. Not in the form you want, necessarily. And guess what? No, Lorca is not a Federation captain at all. So there you go. Those things you didn't like. Uh, yeah, well, we, we did explain them. I mean, I know it's not in ways that the people who are that diehard on that side of things are going to accept. But yeah. know, Lorca's acting much more like an admiral. You're right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, you know. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I get you on that one. What I think, and Edmund, I'm actually curious as your thoughts here, because you know that Brian Fuller's original idea was for this to be a one-season arc. And yes. then to start completely fresh in the second season with a new crew, new time period, just a different ship called Discovery. Yeah. I feel like the parts that we're butting up against here that made uh, What's Past This Prologue a little disappointing are all the things that Fuller fully intended <laughs> to use as a way to wrap up the story. Exactly. And yeah. now they're trying to find ways to key into how do we continue this? How do we, you know, push it forward? Because I thought the end of what's past this prologue would have been an amazing place to end the first season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and even if you wanted to then, you know, have a second season with this crew, you could have then used the entire time between the first and second season to figure out how to get yourself out of this mess. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, have, you know, the, the network's destroyed. We can use the shockwave, you know, for, for one last jump to get back, you know, boom, pop, pop, you know, spore drive's gone. We're here, we're back and oh, heck, you know, yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we're nine months too late and we've got to try and figure out this mess. Yeah, Did they ever say why Stamets right. picked that moon? I don't um, think so, no. and I think that's actually like, the next one in line, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I think that it was just because there was nothing on there, so it may yeah, have been a callback right. to oh, Genesis. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 
My, my, my bad. I was jumping ahead too. That's all right because it's <laughs> hard to keep these because it is so serialized and and it's it's no big deal because again we're going to have a you know a little bit of a lull here and the, and the season is ending almost uh, as we speak. But yes. Um, yeah, I just I'm really curious how they're they're creating a lot of little things, and I'm even talking about they name check, um, and I know that they continue to do it on and on. They name check Archer, they name check you know the the past history that Enterprise established, <laughs> and then they have Sarek force a mind meld, right? Um, I'm, I, and and Psyche does it a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this whole thing in Enterprise about how mind melds were like this taboo thing, and yes, it's a hundred years later. I get that. But a uh. <laughs> hundred years later, Sarek's a bit of a maverick, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I is, guess you can, but, you, you, you can wave that, but still, you yeah. go from here to ten years later, journey to Babel. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually is it? Yeah, yeah, ten years. Yes, yes. Yep. Geez, he went great quick. <laughs> well, if you were dealing with Michael Burnham, you'd go great quick too. Yeah. <laughs> or you just throw yourself into the middle of a reactor drive like Lurka did. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, 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 well that, that that was the other part I was wondering about. It's like, oh, you're throwing them into throwing him into the middle of the mycelial mycelial network. How's that going to work out? <laughs> well, Jason, let's leave Jason it back was so open. coy yeah. about his future in the show that it's just like, uh huh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh huh, yeah. Where is that one in the prime universe? Is he finishing up a tour on the on on, on uh, a Harry Potter revival as Malfoy? Yes, yes, I think so. <laughs> Or he's on this show that's kind of like a remake of this old show that was called Awake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I can keep going all day, guys. Uh, but we do want to move on here other than to say that we, yes, by the time that we have our next episodes, the season will be over. And we'll have a lot to talk about there. And not only that, but I have sitting on my shelf right over there a book called Desperate Measures, which just came out. I think Dayton Ward is the author of this one, and it is the, uh, a story about Lorca and Giorgio, and it does intersect with some of the history of TOS. In fact, it is the um, Kodos the Ex- no. no Tarsus Four Gary. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh. yeah. So, so I'm curious to see how they kind of interweave these TOS elements in, into that book. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because I know that you know. You you liked the uh, the first book that came out, yeah yeah. And this this one looks uh looks like it's going to be similarly uh revealing. I'm hoping that it doesn't nice another nice job of weaving things together. You said right. it's also written by David Mack. No, Dayton Ward. Oh, da- why they, uh, I don't, okay. One of their you know typical staples. Oh no, I've read yeah I've read it. No, it's just yeah when they sort of have these things. Sometimes I wish they'd keep the same writer. It's sometimes hard to switch between writing mm. styles. Well, right now is a good time for anyone who's out there, just as an aside, to catch up because Pocket Books decided to kind of renegotiate their contract, and there's pretty much nothing new coming out right now in 2018, probably for almost the entire year. So you've got a year to catch up on Trek fiction before anything new comes out, other than uh, Discovery and uh, some reprints of German uh, novels that they're doing through Titan Books. So. Yeah, Yay. go pick up the Vanguard series if you there haven't you read go. it. There you go. That's yeah. a oh, good geez. place to go, right there. Uh, okay, so back to this. Supergirl, Monday nights, Season 3, Episode 11, Fort Roz, and Episode 12, For Good. And Gary, I'm just going to let you go ahead and tell me what you think about the Legion. <laughs> Long live the Legion. At least I hope I hope they stay on for a few more episodes, which I know they do. So, hooray! Anyway, um, no, it's um, you know obviously they're sort of different than the comic books, but yeah, I'll get over it. Anyway, um, yeah, no, um, you know, Rain is continuing to um, 
be the uh, sort of uh, big bad for this um, for the for this uh, for this arc, I guess. And um, it was interesting. They had to go to Fort Roz. Um, Fort Roz is located around. They found it because when Supergirl tossed it away, I guess nobody bothered to track it at first, or just because she threw it into the sky. They figured it was gone forever. I never quite understood that part. But that aside, um, they found it. It's around a red sun, so Supergirl has no powers. So she goes on a, jeez, uh, I don't know, would you call this a suicide squad? Um, or, uh, you know, sort of hunt. And she, you know, grabs villains, all female, and um, um, uh, to go with her to Fort Roz to find this prisoner who seems to have the secret uh, behind Rain. And um, I have to say, uh, I uh, size... Uh, Sai, who, honestly, geez, she's practically playing Saturn Girl as far as powers and looks and everything like that, but that aside. Um, and uh, Livewire, uh, they both formed this little uh, trio, and they went over there, and um, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, having some new characters brought into the mix. Not that uh, Supergirl's uh, replete from having a large cast, but you know, it was nice to mix it up a little bit, uh, see um, you know, Sai's sort of still um, anger over everything and still, I guess, unchanged from her time in prison uh to you know live wires almost penitent penitence that she wants to you know do do the right thing and get through you know get through this and um i thought it was showing uh, sort of two sides of one character in some ways and uh with supergirl trying to uh, moderate in the middle it's uh you know it's sort of what really it boils down to what supergirl does a lot you know you have a villain and you have good guys and she's sort of uh, acting as an intermediary uh to deal with the problem and it sort of really summarizes i think a whole lot of uh plots of this of this show um in one compact form um i was somewhat disturbed that they there are still people on Fort Roz. So while everyone was breaking out, these people never left. Uh, like I said, this just the, the whole concept left a whole lot of uh, confusion in me. I would have preferred for her to go to the Phantom Zone or something. Would have I thought been nicer, but I realized it's the way they write this show, it's not the accessible universe that it otherwise might be. Uh, found it a little. She's let, being let down. Um, that you know that the the villains really I didn't feel were that that impressive. Um, I felt that they there were good fight scenes per se with on, on our side with Livewire and Psy, but eh, it didn't. I, I guess I was expecting more. Rain in general as a villain has let me down a fair bit. So, um, so the, yeah, so there's that. Then we have the um, then we I guess we got a got a break on things when um for the next episode when um Edge and Lena try to kill each other. <laughs> um, I didn't need this kind of breather, but I guess they they felt it. I. I'm not particularly enjoying the Morgan Edge character at all. No, um, I'm really not either. Yeah, his motivations just seem to lack for me. Um, you know, I understand he wants to you know, sort of beat Lena at... I'm not sure. It's not publishing because he's put that down so much. It doesn't seem to be... If they have any direct business competition, they really haven't shown us. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to see somebody beating him out for a contract or this or, or a new rocket ship or, I, or, I don't know, a solar panel or something to show why, where the competition actually uh, springs from. But I mean, um, the, the real like difficulty with this episode, just real quick, was that it's been so long that the Lena Morgan Edge rivalry has been in the focus that I don't care. It it's just yeah. kind of it's it it almost goes back to last season to a certain degree, and it's just like eh, okay, that's nice. It, uh, you know, they've moved on from that. So, well, like I said, there's never they they're not we I never really. F- feel like i got the basis for why it is yeah you know why why, the, why it's there so it, it always sort of falls flat because we don't have any grounding for for the hostility that's true 
Now, moving on then to Tuesday night, we have two shows. I think they're like a tale of two different shows at this point. Um, we have The Flash, uh, season four, episode 11, The Elongated Night Rises, excuse me, and then episode 12, Honey, I Shrunk, Team Flash. And I can sum up my thoughts on these two episodes, Dudley. Um, the first bunch of episodes this season were really strong, had some great comedic beats, and really seemed to be back on track. And once they put this Dibney guy in the focus, the show has fallen flat on its face. Really? I huh. cannot stand this character. Um, I okay. feel like they've lost their way. <laughs> um, wow. It just doesn't work for me. Like, the Barry stuff is fine. Um, and there's other stuff. But this guy just, he drives me crazy. I really feel like, I, I know that there's a purpose to what's going on here, but I'm having a real hard time. And actually, it seems like you're having a hard time, too, but maybe for different reasons. Well, yeah, and geez, John, it's it's almost the reverse, exactly. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I hate the Barry stuff. It feels like you know, with him in prison, it's like going through the whole Iris is going to die, Iris is going to die every episode. Oh, what, what's he doing? He's in prison. Oh, it's, oh he's stuck. Oh, we got to do something to get him out. We have to fix this problem. We. Have to, it just feels like you know they've they've caught us in the same sort of maze that we were stuck in last season. If they drag this out forever, which it feels already like they have. Um, so you know, I'm I'm feeling very frustrated that you're right. I felt they were hitting it well early on, and part of that was having Barry back, having him unshackled from some of his burden or uh, guilt or whatever, whatever you'd like to call it, and that opened up things to make it a little bit more fun and relaxing. So what do they do? They shovel, they shove, shove this villain onto him who wrecks his whole life, and it's it it echoes some comic book storylines that happen. So I sort of saw in some ways where it was coming from, but at the same time. They were hitting their stride by relieving Barry of this weight to carry around. And now to just throw it all back on him again is just – it just leaves me in that same place where I'm like, oh, boy. And I realize that uh, Ralph is definitely uh, you know a little on the goofball side. Um, but, geez, so uh, you know, so were Cisco's corny jokes in the beginning before we got of him. Even um, – uh, you know, we, we've had, you know, goofiness. What was the uh, last version of um, of Wells that was a goof, goofball? HR? Uh, that we, yeah, that, HR, yeah, that we, that we <laughs> okay, and, and I'm not saying that I didn't grow, you know, attached to the character as well, but I'm just saying, you know, they've had goofball stuff in this before, and, you know, I I can understand your point. You're saying that you, you're not enjoying the Ralph character. He's not meant to be a likable character. He's meant to be a, a flawed individual who's trying to find uh, friendship and redemption and uh, a purpose. And so he's not. Yeah. So he's not that perfect jokester to be around because he's 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 been discredited. He's been kicked off the. You know, he had to leave the police force basically in shame from what I, how I understand them telling his story. Uh, you know, because he was crooked, based, crooked. So you know, he's cu- trying to redeem himself, and he in some ways doesn't even feel that he's redeemable. So it's uh, mm-hmm. I, I find it I find it as this growth story for him that he happened upon these powers that you know here's his chance to finally do right and so that, that's what I'm seeing from it but I mean I can understand your point it is a little goofball uh, definitely slapstick um, with the use of his powers in a lot of ways so I see it but again I just hate this heaviness that the series has to have some people say well that's what the series is you know it started off with the whole father thing then it, you know then when you know that happened then you had the whole Zoom issue everything seems to be a heavy thing burdening Barry that he can't be happy things have to always be like you know world disaster or the show doesn't work and i as as you were saying as well the first part of the season that wasn't the case and it worked just fine i think the problem is that okay for me at least talking about ralph again um 
Cisco. Yeah, he was a little bit grating at first, but he actually was pretty rushed from the beginning. I felt like he had something going for him. Um, HR. I think that, you know, Tom Cavanaugh, just a really good comedic presence. Yes. I th- it, uh, stepped up the goofiness, but it still worked because Cavanaugh kind of made it work. I think that the problem is, is that they are so over the top with trying to shove this guy down your throat as being funny that it becomes unfunny simply because they are trying so hard to make you think he's funny. And I just, maybe the actor's not selling it for me because comedy is after all very subjective. Um, we all learned that from Emperor Cartagia. Um, but it's like, uh, oh, there's just something about him that it's like, stop trying to convince me you're funny. You're not. Stop trying to convince me this scene with him is funny. It's not. It's not working for me. And it's like, that's why I think I'm like latching on to Barry and his thing. Cause it's like, actually if Barry's scenes, there's more of Barry scenes, maybe kind of in a reverse way, talking about what you're saying, the faster that they have scenes with Barry in it and they get further along that storyline, the more we get past this point with Barry and we can get back to the show that we were enjoying earlier this season. Um, but it's just, oh, it, it gets painfully just repetitive and, and uh, I, I just can't get it into it. And it's kind of dragging the middle of the season down for me, which in mm. contrast, black lightning is a very dark show, but I feel like they're knocking it out of the park. Maybe because they don't have to worry about all the constraints of the DCW or whatever else, but man, this show is working really well for me. What do you yeah, think? It, yeah. I mean, it's got the level of darkness. I wish the Punisher series had, <laughs> I would have been in sort of, this <laughs> is, this three is, or four this lights would, above. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this would have been a, this was the level I was kind of hoping for that uh, well that it wasn't there. But you're right, it is it is a, a dark, and they uh, handle some uh, hot topic issues as far as I'm concerned, and they they bring light to as uh, as I've said before to some social things that some people might or might not be aware of. But it, they're giving voice to it, which is uh, really really important in my opinion. And you're right, it's uh, it's enjoyable. You're looking at someone who cast off the um, reins of hero. And you, it's not so much a redemption story so much as he realizes that his, he's being called once again that it's it's needed because things have gotten worse since he stopped, and um, you know that's a that's a that's a very uh, heroic type of uh, format for a character to uh, you know to path to tread. So, I think right now I know it's early on, but my favorite part of every episode is when Black Lightning comes along and just talks trash to the people that he's. He just says these great one-liners that feel like they came out of a Shaft movie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part of it, too. It's a completely different perspective of what we're, we're used to. And um, it's it's coming from an older character. It's not coming from this, you know, millennial necessarily. I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but it's every single character that we see on the C- DCW tends to be in their early 20s. Okay, um, this is a different perspective, and I really enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear that it's very popular um, and it's, it's you know, gaining a fan base, so I'm pretty happy about that. I know that they'll probably find a way to, to, to kind of fold it in as maybe another alternate uh, universe or whatever else later down the road, but I'm actually hoping they don't. I want to kind of let this live on its own and breathe on its own. Well, it's also nice that unlike um, some of the other ones, um, other uh you know, CW shows that the hero has a large team supporting him. Um, I mean, I guess Black Lightning does have that one Taylor guy. Is I don't even know his name honestly, but um, but in general, he's pretty much you know solo acting alone. So we don't you also don't have that team dynamic that runs through the other shows as well. And maybe that's something that uh you know echoes with you as well. It might, it might. 
All right, well, that is actually the end of that. We managed to get through all of it. It's a little bit longer episode than usual. That's because we had some great additional commentary from Edmund, and we are happy to have you back here as we celebrate 850 episodes. Woo-hoo-hoo. Happy to be here. That's right. Uh, hope to hear from you more in the future as we continue to uh, have our uh, ever never-ending uh, scheduling surprises. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as we've said before, we are trying to kind of keep to uh, every two weeks type of schedule, but things do happen. Uh, last week just got w- got way too busy, and it's actually probably for the better because of the kind of weird mini hiatus we're seeing here in February. But uh, Edmund, any last thoughts as we wrap up this week? Um, I uh, have new things to uh, add to my list, like Black Lightning, which uh, I didn't realize might be a interesting adjunct to uh, that uh, that other Black uh, thingy movie that might be out soon. Indeed, timing is quite good. Gary, how about you? Any last thoughts? Um, no, but um, I just we didn't talk about it in the news the last episode. But uh, Once Upon a Time was canceled, as if nobody saw that coming after they gutted the whole gutted the whole uh, cast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, As the so, man who was writing the reviews on it at the beginning, thank God it's yeah, fine. So, so all it took to cancel the show was to get rid of all the cast. Wow. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, the funny thing about that is that that was one where I stopped watching it back in season three or so. But but I would occasionally like you know you know pull up a recap just to see it's like okay what silly things are they doing now? <laughs> Try doing that with Gotham. It's even more insane. It's like they uh, literally try to write episodes just so that people who stopped watching two or three seasons ago can see a recap and go, what? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I have done that. Yeah, yeah I, right? I, <laughs> what are they on? And no, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I just want, to, I want them to get help. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it then. As we are wrapping stuff up here for this 850th episode, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with... A, few more episodes so until then and so ends another epic episode of the critical myth if you want to leave a comment for this show head over to vognetwork.com not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show but there is a dedicated forum a ton of written reviews and related articles by the crew throughout the site for the written reviews you can even leave your own review so let us know if you agree or not You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as Fair Use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time, watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.